Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. We're back. Uh, Gamescom is happening. I think Gamescom is still happening, so... Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's a long event. Sure we'll, but, yeah, uh, we'll have more more Gamescom news next week, but we had the, the first big, like, intro day where, you know, we got the at least snippets of the of the big announcements yes yeah the big stuff that's gonna launch uh day one but uh you know the rest for me has really just been uh you know todd howard talking about starfield and making a bunch of headlines about that game we we talked about that pre-show a little bit but um yeah, they're in full marketing push right now, so we shall see. Well, yeah, we're we're only a couple of weeks away now from Starfield, and I feel like it's been hyped for so, so long. I mean, we got the announcement. What was it like? Well, we were talking about Elder Scrolls Six was five years ago. Did they announce Starfield at the same time as Elder Scrolls Six, or was it like already announced by the time we got Elder Scrolls Six announced? I think... I think it was known, but it wasn't announced. Uh, and I, so I think it was announced on the same. I think it was the same, uh, like press conference or whatever, the same event. I can't even remember. Like it, I don't think it was E3, but maybe it was. Anyways, doesn't matter. It's been like five years, and I feel like everything has just been like Starfield, 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 and then now we're finally getting it. Uh, well, September sixth, I guess. Uh, and I'm like, I'm on the fence about it. I just, I feel like. Because the hype has been so big for so long, that and and it also reminds me of No Man's Sky, I feel like it, there's no in-between on this game, right? I feel like either it's going to hit and it's going to be like an epic Elden Ring level success, or it's going to be like No Man's Sky terrible and everyone's going to hate it. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be much of a kind of meh, mediocre response. It's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that there's a lot of pressure on the game. Microsoft obviously needs a win. Uh, the Bethesda sort of group as a whole needs a win after after Redfall. And and the fact that this game, Starfield, is the reason we're waiting another probably five to six years for Elder Scrolls six. I think it has to it has to land, you know, uh, and I think everybody knows that there's a lot of pressure on it. I, personally, I'm excited to try it as a new Bethesda game. It's part of Game Pass. Um, I just want to know what the reviews are like. I want to. I want to. I want to get that sense of unfiltered. Like, is the game good or not? Because right now, it's all marketing. It's all previews. It's all very, you know, guided in terms of what people can say. So um, we'll likely know more come September first. I believe is the early access if you buy mm -hmm. the digital deluxe. So we won't have to wait long to know. I think um, with the early access starting on the first, which is a week from today, I feel like we're probably going to start hearing things kind of like Tuesday, Wednesday next week, just because, you know, that they're usually, I would say, they lift NDAs and let reviews come out in the kind of days preceding. Because you still want to give people like time to pre-order for that early access or like bump their existing order up to digital deluxe for that access, right? So yeah. that would be my guess is that we'll start to see reviews kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I hope they're, I hope they're good. Like, I mean, I'm not, uh, I am of the opinion that I, I want the game to be good. I want to, I want to be able to enjoy it. Um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to juggling 
Starfield and Baldur's Gate three, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you're st- so you're still playing Baldur's Gate three, and uh, I mean, you were you were at twenty something hours last last week. So how's that going? Uh, so I have now put <laughs> forty hours into the game. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a little bit a little bit further than I was last time we spoke. I I did finish Act one. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it because I'm. I'm still so for listeners at home. I'm still like, hey, Jocelyn, you should play it too. We can talk about it together. It's a really great game. I think you would enjoy it, just based on like being able to create your own character and uh, being able to converse with your, you know, your party members and and progress their story there. You know, it has a very early Bioware, you know, feel to it. So. I'm sure I'm really gonna like. I mean, you don't have to talk me into it. I've just had like other stuff going. So like. Hearthstone just did a huge Battlegrounds update and, and a new season and stuff. And so I've been playing a lot of that. Um, uh, we were chatting pre-show and I mentioned Two Point Campus. I'm still playing that. They just had like a medical school um, update come out. So it's very much like the the other stuff that I've been playing has just been coming out with like DLC or expansions or whatever that I've been you know, playing, messing around in. So like, it's, it's not that, and obviously we talked about last week, uh, paleo that I'm really enjoying as well. So like, I've just kind of been pulled away from Baldur's Gate three by other stuff. And I also know that it's like huge. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I want to play, but also I know that I'm going to get like super invested in it. But other than Starfield, which I don't really think I'm going to enjoy just because Again, the No Man's Sky comparison that's in my head. Um, you know, you guys know I'm not. I'm a more of a fantasy fan than I am a, a sci-fi fan. So I feel like um, Starfield is really the only thing in September that I'm like really super interested in from a game release standpoint. So I think I'm probably going to get into Baldur's Gate 3 like this weekend and into next week. Um, and then, like I said, Starfield comes out in September, but most of the things that I'm excited about, of course, are coming out in October. So (laughs) like, I'm basically just, there's like five or six titles coming out in October. I really, really want to play and I'm probably not going to be able to. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) sad. (laughs) Yeah. October is, uh, is stacked to say the least. There's a lot coming out in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I think like a month, like a, a month, six weeks or so, uh, to, to, to dive into Baldur's Gate three, like that's a good chunk of time. I don't have six weeks anymore, Ryan. No, that's true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I am on a big countdown clock right now. So yeah. I've only got like probably five more, five more weeks, I think. Cause yeah. So we know that we're going to be having our baby in the first week of October. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's coming up real fast. So yeah, I've kind of got like next week is the last week of August and then four weeks of September and then bam, baby. <laughs> that's true. That God, I hope true. it's that easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> yeah, easy. totally. Yeah, you just say bam and then you have a baby and everything's fine. Yep. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Yep. And then you get right back into Baldur's Gate 3 and yeah, because babies just... sleep, right? So <laughs> they do very much. If you have one of them, they sleep uh, pretty good. Uh, they do say you should sleep when the baby sleeps, but... Um, no, I'm going to game when the baby sleeps. That's the plan. <laughs> uh, half and half. That would yeah. be my recommendation, is uh, half gaming, <laughs> half sleeping. Absolutely. Not the same yeah. time. <laughs> but yeah, so all of that to say is that, yes, I do think that Baldur's Gate is going to be my September game because there isn't really anything else that I'm 
super excited for other than just trying Starfield through Game Pass. Like, I'm super glad I don't actually have to pay like triple A prices for it. Um, I'm going to give it a shot on uh, Xbox and then see how it goes. But I don't expect to sink tens or hundreds of hours into that game. Um, I don't really think it's going to grab me. So that means I will have time for Baldur's Gate uh, in the next few weeks. So that's my current plan. And we will have... Uh, uh, it's well. It sounds like we will have a Starfield episode at some point in September because I'll be. Oh, I'm sure. It as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a big release, and uh, it's on Game Pass. So there's not really a. I don't want to say there isn't really an excuse, but like I, I, I think I, I. There's a much smaller barrier to entry. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna give the uh, Xbox Series X something to chew on. So uh, that we'll talk about in September. But for Baldur's Gate three. Um, I did want to first mention in our Discord, we have a a game discussions forum, and there is a post for Baldur's Gate 3, and I would highly advise anybody who's playing uh, to check that out. Everyone's being really good about marking spoilers. Um, Folks are asking questions and then answering with with spoilers marked, just in case, like, other folks might not want to know the answer just yet. But, like, there's a lot of mechanics in Baldur's Gate 3. Mm. Um, there are a lot of consequences in Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> so sometimes it's nice to bounce off uh, ideas off of folks who may be a little bit further or have experienced an encounter differently. Uh, and and really like the cool part is, and I know this is this example has been given multiple times, is sometimes, you know, the whole group has progressed past a point and then we kind of compare notes on how we solved a thing and they all vary uh, in details like you know we all came to the same conclusion of progressing through this quest or whatever but everyone did it a little differently or had a different sort of um uh experience depending on who they had on their party or you know the choices they made in dialogue or even their dice rolls so it's a very uh it's a game that just when you talk to other folks about it it is a great sort of water cooler type video game where you're like ex- experiencing something completely different because maybe you decided to uh bring Shadowheart along instead of Lazel or something. So uh it's it's been a lot of fun discussing it in there. And honestly the way I've been playing it is just I'm gonna play this once for the for the time being. Like I assume I'll finish it once. It's a huge game. So I don't I'm not necessarily sitting here as like, wow, I can't wait for my third playthrough. <laughs> you know, that's I don't think that's going to happen. But so I'm kind of trying to experience it, you know, fully the first time. So I've been kind of asking questions of like, okay, well, what if I want to do this in this specific area? Like if I want to, I'm not really enjoying the story or whatever. I'm finding that there's some weirdness here and, and just getting some reassurance from folks in the discord of like, no, no, if you keep going down this path and you make sure you, you, you know, experience these few, like, did you, like, did you do this specific quest before you went and talked to this person? Like there's a lot of stuff that you can lock yourself out of if you mm. um, kind of progress an area uh, too far. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you can turn entire areas against you depending on on how you uh, how you decide to deal with something, right? Uh, and sometimes it's inevitable. Like unless you side, like unless you're going to be pure evil, like there are like areas <laughs> in the game where. Uh, you can kind of infiltrate to the best of your ability, but at a certain point, it's like, okay, you gotta, you gotta save the town or, 
or destroy it. You know, that sort of thing. You side with the bad guys and become evil yeah, or, yeah. you know, you get you same means to an end. Like you're able to kind of like forward the story. But at some point you're locking yourself out of an experience by by making a choice. So that's that's kind of how I've been progressing through the games. Like I'm trying not to Google stuff because like there are so many articles out there that are just like you just like, oh, what what spell should I give Shadowheart at level nine? And then it's like, well, here's a whole thing about how Shadowheart, you know, ex- her experiences change in act three. And it's like, well, no, I don't want to know what happens at the end of the game. I just want to know what spell to give her. You know, yeah. show me some builds, not, you know, uh, her experiences. Uh, Spoil the entire story for me. <laughs> exactly. So you got to be careful there. And I think the Discord's been. Well, yeah, our, really our Discord is full of a ton of very, very nice and knowledgeable gamers. So uh, I would I mean, like Baldur's Gate 3 sounds like the perfect example of why they're so awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, like there's so many games now where your choices really matter and things like that. And it's so hard to find information. So it's nice to have a group that is playing through kind of at the same time as you that you can bounce things off of. So that's awesome. Yeah. And good use of forums. <laughs> exactly. I knew uh, I I was kind of like we were experiencing the game. I, was, I had a couple of DMs going with folks and I was like, you know what? Like, let's open this up, get everybody in here. And uh, it's, it can still be tough to kind of for discoverability of forums unless you're kind of clicking through and seeing them. So I wanted to mention on the show, but uh, I did finish act one. Um, Just a couple pointers for folks at home. When you're, you're progressing through act one, there are certain moments where the game will say like, Hey, if you're going this direction, this is a very difficult next part. Are you sure you want to progress? You might not be able to like it makes it. The warning is very strict, but uh, you are not locked out of content by going down one path. I think the warning is more about if you go down this path, uh, you're going to have to do some you're going to have to do you're going to have to progress the story in this area before being able to go back to the other area. But even then, it's not it's not super strict. Like there was some weird warnings there. So I, I didn't want to let folks know that. But um I basically went through all of Act One. I went down into the into the Underdark area and progressed that stuff too. It's like Act One is like is huge. It sounds really big. The fact that you have like forty hours and you're just moving into Act Two now, I'm like, man, this game must be huge. Yeah, and I'm pretty far into Act Two. Uh, it turns out when I was playing Act Two, and again, this is where the Discord's really nice. Is I was saying like man, I'm really struggling with this area. And I'm like, well, where are you? And and I explained I was in some sort of ancient temple. I'm like, oh, like, that's like the end of Act 2. Like, you need to go do the other stuff first. So, <laughs> you know, I would have eventually got to a point where the game would have once again said, hey, are you sure you want to progress this before wrapping up any other stuff? Because, you know, there are critical story moments that are going to... um again like fundamentally change your world right (laughs) exactly exactly so uh i i promptly turned (laughs) turned around and went and did other stuff i mean the game wasn't very clear that this was like sort of the end game but like i said there's there there's so much going on in this game and it is for both good and bad it's kind of hard to tell like what's side content and what's main story you know, this experience right now, this encounter, is this going to affect the main story or is this just some flavor along the road, like side content, side quests? 
of course, it all kind of feeds back together and like ticks a box somewhere in the database of like, oh, they did this. So make sure we refer to it later on. Uh, but it, it is just it is a it is a massive game. And I'm I'm kind of like struggling with the scope of it as I'm playing, you know, because I'm having these conversations with characters and I'm thinking like the amount of work that went into this from a writing standpoint voice acting design it it kind of like it makes my brain hurt a little bit and i have to stop myself from <laughs> thinking about that or I'll, I'll just sit there like just woeing until uh until i have no more time to play i guess but <laughs> yeah i've been enjoying it a lot i'm uh i've gotten much better at the combat so the combat's a little it, it is uh it's a little more tactical and uh it, you need to be sure to like read your spells so i'm really bad at that i'm really I'm not great at mechanics, Jocelyn. I'm not great at knowing. Mm. So you can just go does. like fireball, fireball, fireball. <laughs> you could, you could, but you have better options available. Turns yeah. out, turns out, it's not like uh, it's not like those YouTube videos you've seen where people are just going lightning bolt, lightning bolt, or fireball, whatever. <laughs> so it, it it helps to kind of know your characters, and there are a lot of companions in this. I think like right now where I'm at, I have like six or seven. So. I'm trying to also not fall into the trap of like just bringing my three favorites, <laughs> you know, and then having people back at camp being like, yeah, we're just along for the ride. We're eating the food. Don't have to do any work. This is great. You know, don't have to put myself in danger. Uh, so I have to I have to rotate those characters a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, so far it is just dominating my time. I play I play whenever I get a moment, uh, some free time. So it is. uh the computer has not had this much uh, use in a long time. So, but yeah, <laughs> I'm good. looking forward to uh, when you when you get a chance to try it and and we can talk about it again. Like I said, I think once you've had a chance to dive in, we'll have a whole lot more to say. And I want to I would love to uh, we could talk spoilers and then folks at home can like skip through some stuff, too. So I think it'll be a, a lot of fun to uh, to chat story as well. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm definitely going to get into it. I just, uh, yeah, I've just been waiting for some other releases through August, but now those are all kind of here and I've had a chance to play them. So yeah, I think Baldur's Gate will be my my September thing. Um, but yeah, one of the releases that came out in August is actually Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, it's like, it's basically a DVD competitor, which is why I wanted to try it out and like, all of my favorite DVD streamers are playing this right now. So it's only been out for a week. And uh, yeah, so basically, so I played Dead by Daylight and I wanted to give you guys a bit of an update. So um, I played Dead by Daylight. I was a little bit worried because we're on Starlink now. We live out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, Matt had tried to play Diablo 4 and it was like, it was not great. Although he also played it like right after we left our previous place where we were living, where we were on fiber. So there's a little bit of a difference there in terms of like paying and latency and all that kind of stuff. So um, he was like really sad because thought he couldn't play Diablo 4 anymore. He was playing it again last night and he said it's really not that bad. So I think it's, it was just like a matter of getting used to it almost. But I was like, okay, so I'm going to play like a Diablo's 4, Diablo 4 is one thing. You do have to like ping the server with like every action though. Um, and I was like, Dead by Daylight's got to be similar, right? Because you've got like five people on a server playing a game together. So you've got to be like sending what you're doing all the time. So I was a little worried. Like I thought I wasn't going to be able to play multiplayer anything 
but it actually like with the exception of the skill checks it was like almost like unnoticeable and i don't know what it was like you know for for the killers because i was just playing survivor i don't know what it was like for them when they were like chasing me and stuff but it didn't seem like my ping and latency was causing too too many problems and like once i got used to the skill check part then it was better like but it's skill checks are muscle memory right so i still had all of my old like fiber muscle memory so as i was like trying to play <laughs> it's like oh man that should have been a great that should have been a great what's going on it's like oh i just have to relearn how to like not all of how to play but at least my uh my timing i have to adjust um but the game was definitely playable i had a really good time i didn't have any issues at all so that was kind of surprising so uh anyways texas chainsaw massacre comes out and it's so if you guys haven't actually seen it it's a so it's a it's a three kind of uh, okay i'm gonna say 3.5 versus four because if you're on the the family side which is like the killers then there are three like um player controlled characters you always have to have a leather face and then there are four other family members to choose from so two out of the four are in every game um and then there's also a grandpa character which is like he never moves he sits in his rocking chair you as a as a family member have to go and feed him blood from your victims and then he's like a security camera almost <laughs> so he will go off at certain intervals and and as he gets more powerful those intervals get smaller and smaller and then he will like detect where the survivors are and it shows um or i guess not survivors sorry that's dead by daylight terminology the victims where the victims are and so they will uh they'll get like a yellow outline around them um there's a number of different maps but i find the whole thing so confusing like so all four of the survivors start off in the basement and then there's multiple exits uh, sorry all the victims start in the basement and then there's like multiple exits that you have to like power up so you have to try to either like turn things off so there's like generators and car batteries powering like electrical fences and stuff you have to turn off or you have to like find a valve somewhere to open or to turn on like a steam oh shoot what's it called like a boiler uh, and then there's like a steam powered gate thing that opens. Um, but yeah, so there's multiple exits you have to try to find. But there's like, there's so many bad guys. Like when you're used to playing a 1v4 in Dead by Daylight, 3v4 feels like insane. <laughs> like it's so hard to get away. And there's no like, there's um, like a, a screen glow, but it's like, I find it because there's no like audio cues or anything like that. I find it really hard to tell like where the killer like is versus where my where my victim is. And like, oh man, I do. I find it really, really challenging. And I know like when I first started playing Dead by Daylight, Dead by Daylight was super challenging too because I didn't know the maps and didn't know all the powers and stuff. But uh, the biggest difference I find, so Killer is very similar, I think, between Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dead by Daylight in that, like, each character has their own, like, skill tree and power and they play differently and that's very much the same. But then the same is true on the victim side as well. So you can only have one of each victim character in your lobby. So, like, if you want to play as 
Connie, there can only be one Connie versus Dead by Daylight, where you could have an entire squad of Claudettes or Megs or whatever. Um, because in in Dead by Daylight, the survivors are very much cosmetic. Um, they each have their own three perks, but you know you can eventually unlock all the perks on all the survivors. So then they're they're basically all the same. But yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has these huge skill trees, and like each killer and each victim are like their own play style, I guess, which is, which is kind of an interesting like take. And, and it's um, an interesting difference. I think that, that sets these two games apart, but they're very much like asymmetrical horror PVP. Like they're definitely same genre, but they, they play and feel very different. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that makes sense too. Cause you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want it to be a straight up, you know, ripoff of yeah it's definitely not a clone yeah which i think a lot of people were worried about but it like it feels a lot different and it plays a lot different i think than dead by daylight yeah and i and i've been seeing a lot of uh like i've been seeing a lot of it on twitter you know because as you said a lot of folks who played dead by daylight are playing this one it's also on game pass so like it's kind Mm -hmm, of probably got a huge audience right now just based on on those two aspects do uh this is probably a joke question but um, <laughs> which i mean who's surprised by that what a setup um how many of the movies do you have to have watched to kind of get a sense of what's going on here or does it really matter um it, honestly it doesn't really matter as far as i understand because uh texas chainsaw massacre movies i've never actually watched so um, but as far as I understand, the characters are pulled from the first movie, um, like the original, was it like 19, was it seventies or eighties? Um, Anyways, the, like the old OG original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, movie. Uh, I think that's where all the characters come from. So, yeah, but again, 74. I haven't seen the movies. So, um, yeah, I would say none (laughs) (laughs) well that's like it's it's pretty straightforward it's like basically like there's this like voiceover at the beginning of every match that just says like you know there's been you know university students have gone missing and authorities aren't sure if there's been foul play and then it just kind of like cuts to you as either you know one of the one of the family or one of the victims and then like you're either hanging from a meat hook in a basement or you know, you're patrolling the grounds and that's kind of how every single match starts. So yeah, like, like I say, it's, um, it's interesting and, and the gameplay loop is very different, but I find like the gameplay loop is really, really hard when you first start out because like the maps, again, if you've seen the movie, apparently they're, they're very, like true to the movie recreations like you'll if you definitely have a leg up um if you've if you've seen the movies from what i understand um but i do find like in dead by daylight you can at least like all the generators have like those really tall lights over top of them so they're really easy to find uh there's nothing like that like you could literally run by the like the valve that you have to find and not even notice it like it's just like off on a table somewhere and there's like one in the entire map and the other thing with dead by daylight you get three chances right like the killer has to catch you three times before you're dead and out of the match whereas texas chainsaw massacre doesn't use that kind of a mechanic it's strictly like damage like you have a health bar and if you lose all your health then you're dead you get like executed so 
Like if you have one killer who finds you and can keep up with you and, you know, like stabs you four or five times in a row, like that's it. You're dead. Like you really have to know the maps and your escape routes and stuff like that. Otherwise, you're going to have a pretty fast match. So, yeah, I do find that like it can be more punishing. But then there's also like there's health items around the maps. There's like I said, like there's ways to escape. So there's like cracks in the wall that you can crawl through that like I think only one other character can do. Like so there's um, a character named Sissy and she can go through cracks in the walls. Um, and then there's Leatherface and he's huge, obviously, but um, he can break barriers. So like you can crawl over a barrier and none of the killers can chase you except Leatherface can destroy it with his chainsaw. So like and once it's destroyed, it's gone. So they're very like palette like from Dead by Daylight in that way. But yeah, so again, it comes down to, you know, what killer is chasing me? Where am I? What resources do I have available? And like, man, it's it can be very punishing, I'll say, <laughs> if you don't build your character correctly, because the skill tree is also um, like exclusive. So like when you pick a path, you can only like go down that path. You can't go the other way. So there's a lot of like forks where you have to make a choice and then you're kind of locking yourself out of a of a skill area. Um, so there's like that aspect to it as well is like even when which I, I do kind of like. So like even though there's very few characters, I think there's five. Yeah, there's five family members and then six victims or seven. Oh, now I can't remember. Anyways, there's not that many characters compared to Dead by Daylight where there's like 70 characters now or something ridiculous. Um, so yeah, there's not all that many characters in the game, but because of these skill trees, like every time you go up against like a leather face who's in every game, again, like you can't start a lobby without a leather face. Um, you never really a hundred percent know what his build is going to be like. Same as like, if you're facing like an Anna as a victim, like she has a skill line you can take that makes her very, very tanky. So she can take a whole lot of like killer punishment hits before she actually dies and then like when she dies she can give bonuses to the other uh, victims in the lobby so like are you facing that kind of an Anna or are you facing one that like sprints really fast or something you know like you never really a hundred percent know so I kind of do like that complexity to it but yeah anyways I do find like if you make the wrong choices it could be really punishing hmm yeah, it, it sounds uh, like one of those things of, of, you know, fun to play, tough to master type thing. Like that's the goal is to kind of make it a complex I think experience. So. Yeah, I think it's more it's more complicated than it would look like on the surface. And all the maps have um, different like not not weather, but I guess times of day. So you can have the same map, but it's like nighttime or daytime or whatever. And I think there's I think there's three different times i think there's day night and then kind of like dusk as well so like even that like if you get like the nighttime version of a map can make it look so much different than like the daytime version so again like just a kind of little layers of complexity that make the matches different every time so i i think they've done a pretty good job it's buggy i mean they kind of all are right so i mean I, i've seen some some 
pretty frustrating looking bugs. But overall, I think it's been a, a fairly smooth launch and the devs are, are communicating really well. So if you haven't checked it out, um, I think like Ryan said, it is out on Game Pass. So um, you can try it out for free if you've got Game Pass or uh, yeah, I think it's on all the platforms. It's definitely on Xbox, PlayStation, PC. I would hazard a guess that not Switch. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah definitely xbox playstation and uh and pc anyways so uh yeah go and check it out if you like dead by daylight i think you'll like texas chainsaw massacre and you're probably like why have you even talked about this so long jocelyn like we already know what this is stop <laughs> well you know what i've added it to our list of extra life possible games because it wasn't on there before it's just but it's just below dead by daylight dead by daylight's still on there folks <laughs> but, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've put it in there. I think it's worth trying. Yeah, I think it's worth trying. And it's kind of fun. Uh, like the oh, I should probably mention the other thing is it has like it has voice chat. So there's that. <laughs> so oh. like you can so that you can communicate with your team. Um, so like all the victims can talk to each other. All of the family members can talk to each other. And uh, I have noticed that like it's definitely a competitive advantage. Like if you're playing on the family side, just talking about like where the victims are makes a huge difference. Like if you have people muted or if you like aren't participating in the voice chat, like those are the teams that lose. <laughs> so, hmm. well, yeah, I mean, if we get a group of, of four of us together, then I'm not so concerned about voice chat. Oh, yeah. Then we're, yeah. You know, and we're just chatting friends. with friends and then it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I. I yeah, I don't know. I guess like it's well, it's like anything else, right? Like when you are when you have to do voice chat, then you know if you're by yourself, like it's going to be the same as any other online voice chat experience, right? Like you're going to have some good times, you're going to have some bad times. <laughs> yeah, hit or miss. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And uh, you know what? I just I, where I'm at right now with video games and how much time I have, I like. When it comes to voice chat I, or, or any sort of gaming experience, I want to remove as many opportunities for negative experiences and mm -hmm. voice chat. Uh, look, I get it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, remove voice chat from the game because, as you say, like it would it it really makes the uh, the competitive experience um, work better when everyone can can, mm -hmm. can communicate. But, you know, um yeah, I just it's it's not really for me. But that being said, if we if we were to play as a group of four, uh, I, I I think that removes that that opportunity right away. I, that's probably the only way I'd play anyways. Right. Is, yeah. Is with, <laughs> with like, let's not let's be serious. Like, I'm not going to go and install it now and, and solo it. I'm going to be like, I'm going to go install it and be ready for <laughs> and extra then wait life. for extra life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where my brain's at. And I'm sure a lot of folks would would probably lean on that side, too. But I. I understand that the, you know, the community that want to play these games are probably stoked that there is, uh, there is voice chat I, and, and there was no, there's no, pu there's public voice chat in Dead by Daylight, isn't there? I, am I wrong there? Uh, yeah, no, there's no, there's no voice chat in Dead by Daylight. Huh. Oh yeah. No, that's right. Cause we, people would, we use discord <laughs> people in, in text chat at the end of the game would be like, oh man, I always have to fight these parties that are in Discord. It's no fair. And it's like, eh. <laughs> well, yeah. And so like, and not to take us too far off on a Dead by Daylight tangent, but um, they did add in an update within the last like four to six months. I can't remember exactly when it came out, um, but they added icons on the survivor view. So 
you as a survivor can see um, like that the Meg is working on a generator and it's halfway through its progression and that the Nia is working on another generator that's a quarter of the way through. So then you know that they're not on the same generator because the progress is different. And then there's like, it'll show you when somebody's getting chased and when somebody's working on a totem or opening a chest, like it's kind of like having voice chat, but like in the DVD UI. So you don't actually have to talk to anybody, but you know what your teammates are doing. So I was very excited about that because I was like, okay, now they can balance survivors like all the same because it used to be if they made solo survivors more powerful than survive with friends, which is like a whole group that you're assuming are on voice chat, um, survive with friends were then way, 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 way more powerful, right? Um, because they could, you know, like have all the powers of a solo person, but then also the communication of a group. So then by giving all of these icons, it's like, okay, everyone has basically the same information. So you should be able to balance that, right? <laughs> but so far, they don't really seem to have made that many balance patches, passes. So I'm hoping that like over time, they'll kind of say, okay, survivors now with this base knowledge are at this level of strength and we need to make killers more powerful as a result to compete with these with everybody and everybody has the same information right so anyways that was the hope but yeah the dead by daylight doesn't have voice comms they now have like ui info like heads up display stuff oh okay well that that's something at least but yeah so that's what i've been up to have you been have you been doing anything else in the gaming space yeah well you know what considering uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is such an immense game. It has been really nice to have uh, like a smaller experience to kind of take a break uh, with. And uh, I've been playing a game called On Guard, which uh, just released a couple weeks ago uh, here in August. And uh, I'm playing on Steam and it is a swashbuckler action game where you play as a uh, sword wielding, wielding uh hero and you go around basically uh swashbuckling uh it's who doesn't like to buckle the swashes yeah yeah exactly and it does a really good job of sort of setting up these arenas and having you fight different enemies and such so like the basic idea is here there there is a uh i would say there is a story you're you're you have four episodes in the entirety of the game and uh it starts off as you fighting not your brother but El Vigilante, and uh, he's not your brother though. Just, just in case okay. you're wondering, just in case you're, <laughs> it's heavily hinted that he could be. Uh, but yeah, spoiler alert: it's it's your brother, and he's he's pretending to be a <laughs> to be a superhero or whatever. Um, but essentially, like it, you know, what it kind of reminds me of it reminds me of like the old school sort of Assassin's Creed stuff, where it, it does have like the traversal where you're running around and jumping and. Um, you know, swinging off of like poles that are extended from buildings and climbing up on things. So there is that like traversal side to it. But the main aspect of the game is, is the sword fighting. Um, But what makes it unique is that you can use the environment uh, to, to basically interrupt all the enemies. So you can kick uh, barrels and chairs and even tables into enemies to kind of knock them off their balance. And uh, that allows you to get hits in without, uh, without being interrupted. Because of course, if you just try to hit the enemy, they're going to block your attacks and such. So that's like sort of the core basics. But as the game evolves and adds new enemies and such, 
you have to kind of use your environment more strategically uh, because enemies will become stronger and they won't be impacted by the environment. Uh, they will they will kind of counter your abilities and then they will have unblockable attacks that they kind of uh, throw at you. So you have to kind of pay attention for the visual hints as to whether you can uh, parry an attack or have to dodge it outright. Um, kind of reminds me of like sort of the Batman combat where you're uh, you're you're looking out for those visual tells uh, to know what to do. So that's kind of like the basics of it. And and again, as you're progressing, like the the game is layering on more and more environmental uh, sort of stuff you can interact with. So like what starts is just kicking chairs and barrels into people. Suddenly you can kick uh, enemies into like weapon racks and have those weapon racks fall over and, and take out the guard. Uh, you can interact with uh, chandeliers, of course, who doesn't want to cut a rope and have a chandelier fall. That's like the best pirate move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's like swashbuckling 101. I mean, it's, yeah, it's right it's after <laughs> the outfit, right? You got to cut the chandelier down. That's that's important. Um and uh, and and the story is very is it's very uh, I don't know I don't want to say it's in depth but it's like it's very fun it's a fun game it's it's very comedic like there's a lot of joke lines like my favorite uh, <laughs> at first I thought it was a bug um, but then you quickly realize like it's it's the humor of the game after you clear an arena uh, the guards are like talking to you <laughs> and I thought. <laughs> I thought the lines were firing just out of nowhere, but what was happening was is the guards have lines after you defeat them. Uh, as you're walking around the area and kind of exploring, you can you can find like collectibles and stuff. So like after defeating enemies, I'm kind of looking around for collectibles, and I I hear these guards like, "Oh, I would have had you if I just dodged left or something like that." And uh, I'm like, "What is going on? These guys are still <laughs> talking to me. Like clearly, my sword is uh, not pointy enough, but." Um, that it's just, it plays into the, into the humor of it all. And I, again, like to have something that is, you know, it takes itself seriously, but it, but it's having fun with it. You know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not like super serious. It is, it is very comedic, very jokey and stuff. And I, and I like that approach to it. It's, it's a very fun, uh, light game that you can kind of jump into, progress a little bit through an episode you know, see a couple cutscenes and then jump out, and like it, it feels like you're not you're not punished if you don't want to sit there for <laughs> three hours and determine what your spells are doing and and whether you're approaching a decision properly. Like in this one, it's just like no, go in, defeat the enemies, uh, kick some folks off off a off a ledge. Um, you can even like eventually they introduce like cannons, so they you can grab like a lantern. And then throw the lantern at the cannon and then it explodes. So there's a lot of like kiting enemies through the environment to get them into the right spot. So you can use some of the the environmental um, attacks. So it's just fun. Like it's just like a fun experience. And it, it is a small experience. Like it's, I've played about, you know, five or six hours and I'm almost through all of the episodes. Uh, but there is like a arena mode as well that kind of like takes the combat removes the story and has you just moving through these arenas that progress in difficulty uh, and enemy types. Because, of course, as they introduce more difficult enemy types, like you have to do more to uh, sort of knock them uh, off balance to actually do damage. 
So there are boss enemy there are, there are boss enemies as well that are even tougher to fight and and again like mixing it all together into this arena style combat you really do have to be on your toes and and looking out for that next environment to to use against your enemies so that you're not caught off guard because if you stand still um the guards will kind of you know surround you and then they'll because they're closer together they won't use their parryable uh attacks they'll use their 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 um not their, the enemies will use moves that you have to dodge so you really do have to keep moving or else you'll get cornered and and taken out and you do have a finite amount of health obviously so it's not like you're invincible um mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's a lot of fun and it's been a while since i've played this like more simpler approach to uh, a game that is just like arena combat some light story some fun jokes it it really reminds me of um you know like a like from a comedic level i'd probably put it closer to fable but less less no fart jokes i guess (laughs) no farts and pukes and prostitutes (laughs) exactly none of that but like same sort of uh jovial behavior as you're moving through the environment very jokey main character who uh who people constantly are um are, are I'm tr- underestimating and then of course we defeat everybody and, and they're like oh no you did it and it's just it's one of those uh it's one of those experiences like I said you don't you don't have them very often and I do really enjoy these smaller games that uh that have like a really good core concept like right here the combat is what makes this game really unique and the ability to use your environment uh, to sort of augment your attacks and and interrupt your enemies. It's not just like Batman where you are, you know, parrying and dodging. You're having to interrupt. Uh, and, like there are some enemies that will only be able to have damage done to them until after you've kind of put them in a stun, which requires you to avoid their attacks and use the environment to slowly build up their, uh, I forget what kind of bar they call like a uh, stagger bar. Uh, so there are those mechanics where like you might be able to take out a lot of the the lower tier enemies but for that one you're going to have to use your your wits about you to kind of use the environment to to whittle them down um so it's a, it's it's very it's very unique I, I i don't think i've really played anything quite like it and i love the ability to just kind of run around like the mobility feels really good like that's always an issue with some of these games like well the mm. combat's good but you know, running around just doesn't feel right. But in this one, like they really nail that ability to kind of run around, you know, jump on ledges. Like I, I can't count how many times I've played a, like an action combat game where I feel like I'm stuck on the environment. Uh, this one really feels like they've designed everything in a way that you're not getting stuck in a corner. Like if you feel that you can jump and hit that ledge and climb up, or you can jump and hit that, you know, that pole to swing off of onto the next ledge, you're going to hit it. Like I've not had a, a an instance where I've kind of like, oh man, I got trapped and then I died and have to start this encounter over again. Like <laughs> I haven't been punished in that regard. So uh, I've really been enjoying that. But uh, yeah, it, it plays great on Steam Deck. I've been playing it on the Steam Deck. Uh, it's about 20 bucks on Steam and uh, it's only available on PC. They've They've only launched it on PC. I think it's a smaller team. I don't know if they're targeting consoles at some point but um yeah it's been a fun um you know it's been a fun experience to enjoy after like having like long 
long sessions of Baldur's Gate 3. It's been a good, it's been a good, uh, nice little uh, palate cleanser. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a good break. It's completely different from anything else I'm playing at the, at the time. And, um, because it is a small, like I really do enjoy playing a smaller game in between larger experiences. Like I think when I finished tears of the kingdom, I, I had to play three or four smaller games. Cause again, that, that game was so massive. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a really good break from Baldur's Gate three to uh, to play this one, and and like I said, it, it's completely different. The combat feels very uh, responsive. Like that's that's the biggest thing here is like the controls are very good. They're very responsive, and like I've I've never felt punished by the game's design. Like I I feel like I'm able to to really handle um, what they're throwing at me so far. So we'll see. Maybe the final boss will. Uh, will throw me off my uh my game we'll see but i'm enjoying it it's uh it's on guard it's on steam it's available now definitely check it out if you're looking for a for a smaller uh tighter experience very cool uh so if you guys would like to support the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in like mikey connected who is our august patron thank you so much for supporting us over at the gamers in We also have our ongoing TGI game club that's happening in the Discord right now. You can go to bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you'd like to join in those conversations. Uh, You guys are almost done with Psychonauts 2. Yeah, we have uh, our current milestone is like leading right up to the finale. So like next time we talk, uh, we'll be in the home stretch. Very, very exciting. Are you enjoying it so far? Uh, Yeah, I I think... um... This has been a this has been a very different experience. Uh, I think Psychonauts Two, while a very great game, and I am enjoying it, there have been some folks that uh, have kind of fallen off or or aren't enjoying it as much as others. And I and I think it comes down to uh, the style of game. Like it's a three D platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's again, you know, talking about Unguard, like it's it's got that comedic edge down. Like it's it's a very funny, very witty game, and the story is really interesting. But I think when it comes down to it, like if you aren't if you aren't a fan of, you know, those old school 3D platformers, and I'll admit sometimes the controls do get in the way a little bit with Psychonauts 2. I found that in Psychonauts 1. I'm pretty sure that's why I bounced off of it is that I felt like I was being punished by the the controls more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, but but I am enjoying it. And again, like playing it in like a bite size, you know, weekly format has been really good because it does break up. You know, we talk about taking breaks from Baldur's Gate 3. That's been yeah. another one that's been really good to kind of kind of break up the, you know, and have some different gameplay in between, you know, uh, RPG <laughs> giant talkie games. Uh, but the story has been really good. And, and to be able to discuss that uh, in the discord with everybody has been has been a lot of fun. But we have had a few folks that's like, yeah, I just I just kept playing and I finished it. <laughs> I'm I'm good. So I don't think we've had anyone drop off yet, but we have had folks just like, uh, yeah, if I don't have anything nice to say, I'm not going to say anything type and just finish it. So, which is fine. It's totally, it's totally cool. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a great time talking about it with everyone. And like I said, the story, uh, the story far outshines, uh, I think the gameplay, but the gameplay is like a very specific genre, you know, it's like 3d platformer. It's not for everybody. Um, and they don't make them like that very much anymore. You know, there, there's, there's Nintendo games and yeah, uh, 
Well, speaking of Nintendo, um, we do have some Nintendo news this week. Uh, So the original voice actor, Charles Martinet, is stepping back from recording Mario's voice. So he's not leaving Mario behind completely because now he's going to be a Mario ambassador. Yeah, I don't really know what that means. (laughs) I don't either. I feel like it's he's going to... He's going to be going to like the cons and stuff and representing oh, okay. Nintendo and maybe he'll do the voice, like do the voice and he'll do the voice. <laughs> um, this is this was an odd one. It kind of caught me off guard because like if you remember back in June when Nintendo had their E3 and unveiled um, uh, Super Mario Wonder, a lot of folks were like, that doesn't sound like Charles Martin and, every- and half the Internet's like, you're crazy. You're just reading into it too much. And the other half is like, no, that's definitely a different voice actor. And with this news, Nintendo confirmed that Charles Martinet was not going to be voicing Mario in Super Mario Wonder. So it's just odd, you know, and uh, of course it was going to happen eventually. Like, it sounds more like he's retired. Retire. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. People retire. But it's still surprising in the sense that, like, he's been the voice forever. And there was that whole thing with the Mario movie where you know the voice acting community was was supportive of Charles Martinet voicing Mario in the main movie and then look I don't I'm not I'm not saying Chris Pratt <laughs> is voicing Mario in Super Mario Wonder. I was like do we really want to go down this Chris Pratt rabbit hole again? <laughs> no, we do not. And we won't have to for at least a couple years when the sequels announced and we get the first trailer. But for the video games like they didn't announce who it is. I think the line from Nintendo, it's a very Nintendo, is like, well, you'll just have to check the credits when the game launches October 20th. And I'm just like, <laughs> you got me. You, I walked into that one. I mean, we all did, really. Uh, so as of right now, we don't know much of anything, you know, in terms of social media, like everyone's supportive of of this move. Uh, there's supposed to be a video coming out with Miyamoto and... Martinet sort of talking about this change. So like, I assume eventually we'll be, we'll be able to talk about that and what that means. But as of right now, it just, you know, it's a big change. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything like equivalent to this in the video game realm. And I mean, like, like not, not of this caliber where like the voice actor and the company are announcing jointly so intertwined yeah (laughs) yeah like of course like kratos and god of war there there have been you know voice actor changes but that was not a mutual understanding that was uh we we got a new voice actor so this is a little this is different and and it's Mm -hmm. mario so i don't know um i don't think his voice will change i think they'll have someone who is well i think the the fact that the internet was so split onto whether or not it was actually even him in the upcoming Mario game. I feel like they've done a great job replacing him, right? Yeah. Like if half the internet can't tell and they're like, no, you're crazy. That's the same guy. Then they've, they're, they're pretty bang on anyways with their, uh, with their, I guess, replacement with their new person, new voice actor. Right. Yeah. Whoever they are, they've done a good job. (laughs) A hundred percent. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think they've done. I, I think, you know, what we heard in Wonder did not cause outrage like a certain other Mario <laughs> voice actor. 
Yeah. So <laughs> we uh, know what bad Mario voice actors sound like. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that one. And this is not that. <laughs> Uh, we also got an announcement out of Xbox, um, and it's basically, uh, so they're called console wraps, and it's it's basically just ways to customize your console. So um, actually, I got one of these through, through you guys um, for my PlayStation, my awesome Horizon one that I love. Um, but yeah, now Xbox is doing official versions. Uh, and uh, honestly, I kind of love the Starfield one. It looks so neat. It's like mm. very like minimalist but it like has like black and white like outlines of like where everything is in your console so like i don't know i think it it looks really neat um so there's that one there's a starfield one and then there's also uh camo because of course i guess yeah i guess uh all it's missing is uh is a deer logo on it i guess um (laughs) yeah like the the cool thing about this and the reason i included it because mostly you know when we talk about consoles and Nintendo does this as well, uh, previous generations you'd have, they'd have an opportunity to launch a brand new console that just looks different on the outside, you know, and has like a, like a halo Xbox or something. And Sony has these, these plates you can buy. So when Spider-Man two got all of its, you know, special stuff announced, Mm -hmm. They announced instead of buying a brand new PS5, you could go out and buy these $70 plates and make your launch PlayStation look like it might be a special edition Spider-Man 2 um, console. So the fact that Xbox is doing something similar, but in this case, like these are these are wraps in that they would kind of feel like um, from what the sounds of it, they sound like more of like a vinyl sort of like. Yeah, I I said sticker, but yeah, there I think it's it's silicone i think yeah and it just kind of sits around the xbox yeah. and kind of latches at the back and yeah so it's not it's not a it's not a permanent sticker there's no like adhesive to it it's it's just based on like pressure and and i guess material because sil- silicone's kind of like it's not like sticky sticky but you guys yeah. i mean you, you guys have all touched silicone you know yeah <laughs> and, yeah <laughs> uh it, like it, and, it, and it's going to cost 50 bucks us so it's it is like a um uh it's a premium it's a it's definitely a premium thing and and i i think like if you were to do this you'd you'd buy one right like i don't think you're uh i've i've taken the cover off of the playstation 5 before and it is it is not a fun experience like i don't think i'd want to do it every other week of like, well, you know what? I'm feeling Spider-Man two this time. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, like my, my horizon one is like a sticky vinyl adhesive, like cover, like it's on there. And that's what I, like, I always thought is I was like, oh man, like if I ever want to replace this, first of all, why would I ever replace it? But second of all, (laughs) like if I take it off, it's going to wreck the, the vinyl, like the, I won't be able to reuse it. Like once it's off, it's off. Um, and then it's probably going to leave behind adhesive. Like it's not really like swappable. These feel a whole lot more swappable. But again, mine's not an official. Mine's not an official PlayStation thing. It's like a came off of Etsy sort of deal. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, like I do like I I like this idea. I like the idea of you know something easy that you can change if you want to. Like it's not a permanent um, change to what your console looks like. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's uh it's a nice touch and and honestly like, you know, they can if you did 
buy uh, like a special edition edition Xbox and you want to change it to something different, like this gives you that opportunity. And uh, th- these won't be the last we've we've seen. Like the Starfield one matches all the other Starfield stuff they've produced. I, I imagine we'll get one for every major release. So uh, when Fable releases in 2024, I'd imagine there'll be a Fable wrap. If um, there's a Fable wrap, I will definitely buy it to try it out. I'm I'm a little bit tempted by this Starfield one because it just it looks so neat. Like it's very, um, like I said, very minimalist. And it almost looks like there's only like the the Starfield logo in one place. And then there's like a, a gold on white logo looking thing that says like for all into the Starfield in another spot. But other than that, like it doesn't look very branded. So. I don't know. I think it it looks really really clean and I like the design. So I'm I'm moderately which is hilarious given our conversation earlier about how I am not stoked about Starfield the game, but like really really like the design of of this wrap. So yeah, like I I don't think I'm going to buy this one just cuz again, not really stoked for Starfield the game, but um if there's a Fable one next year, absolutely I'm going to buy it and try it out. Because I think there these wraps seem like a really good idea. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, any opportunity to sell us more stuff, I suppose, right? Like, I know. I'm such a sucker for all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather have this than uh, like, hey, you know, we are releasing a Fable Xbox. Now you got to sell your old Xbox or, you know, convince yourself mm-hmm. you need to. And it's like, ugh. <laughs> no, thanks. So. Uh, we also got an announcement out of PlayStation. They now have a uh, like a handheld remote player device thing. Uh, they announced a couple of headsets as well, some uh, wireless earbuds as well as a wireless headset. But the I think the big news was the was the kind of um, mobile portable remote player. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty slick looking. It does look cool. It's essentially, and we've seen the design before. I think when they they kind of announced it without details, mm-hmm. it's, it sort of looks like a you took a PlayStation Five controller, split, split it, it over half your and knee, put a screen in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got the look, and I mean, it's two hundred dollars US. The big thing here is that it's called the PlayStation Portal, and it's just remote play uh, mm-hmm. from your PS Five. Yeah, it doesn't do anything if you don't have a PS5. Exactly. Not its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't subscribe to PS Plus and basically just stream games. You have to have uh, the PlayStation 5. I guess you can like play it on Wi-Fi elsewhere, like have your PS5 at home and play from a different location um, over Wi-Fi. But I assume like the core stable usage for this is like, direct wi-fi connection like on the same network no over the internet type stuff Mm -hmm. i would assume yeah yeah and uh i mean the thing is like it's it's very easy to look at this article and kind of you know pick it apart there are issues like specifically not be able to do you know cloud play on a remote play dedicated device that seems it seems like you're you're begging for a (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for a PlayStation Portable Plus or whatever, or, or PlayStation yeah. <laughs> Portal Plus, um, which, by the way, if they want to use that name, uh, they can. It's fine. I wouldn't recommend it. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but the Triple P. <laughs> the Triple P. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just there's something about it. It's just it it it. If you okay. have a PlayStation, I don't know. 
I was going to say, so my my first gut reaction to this is that PlayStation looked at the how successful the Switch was and went, hey, we should get on that because this is basically kind of what this is, right? Like it's like it, you have to have the base console, which like the Switch in does have the option to go like handheld mode or like the 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 screen part that you take with you that you hold in your hands is the console, right? So it's not exactly the same, obviously. But like, I think they looked at how successful that portability was for Nintendo and went, okay, how can we do that without like making a switch, right? And the way you do that is that you give players the option to take your PlayStation and go and lay in bed and play, right? Like, this is basically giving the same sort of functionality as the Switch. Now, obviously, the Switch is much more portable because you're taking the whole console with you all the time. So, like, any as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, then you can kind of do everything. Whereas this is very much tied to being able to connect directly to your console and not doing anything like portable that you can't do. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm not really explaining it well, but I can see so many like inspired by switch things here. <laughs> yeah. Does that make well, sense? Like, I feel like no. I just talked in a circle and didn't get my point out, but <laughs> well, no, I think like you, you tried to save me there by explaining it yourself, but like, that's the issue is that it's very hard to justify this tech when um all we know is what it can do what it said it can do the price uh the fact that it does not have bluetooth uh technology for your existing earbuds you have to buy um the new playstation headsets so they announced these new headsets and, and earbuds um i don't know if it has a you know a i would oh gosh i, I would assume it has a 3.5 millimeter sort of jack so that you can you know plug in just standard headphones but the critical issue here is like okay $200 US I have to buy a $600 US console to to use this thing Mm -hmm. it's got to work flawlessly it's got to be perfect it's got to just work no matter what like uh I turn this thing on I'm in the other room I've connected to my wi-fi I have my playstation 5 connected to the internet or connected to my wi-fi as well I need to be able to hit a button turns my PlayStation on, I start playing my game uh, in the living room upstairs or uh, in bed, you know, I got to do a couple quests or something. Like, that's my biggest thing is like, for me, I'm not interested in buying it, but like, I'll be interested to see the reviews of like, whether this thing works, because mm-hmm. it's got to work flawlessly for it to like, it to have, uh, you know, um, a leg to stand on in terms of the conversation. Because right now, it just looks like, well, don't we all have phones? Like, you know, we went through this years ago with Blizzard. We all have phones now, right? And they can all do this already uh, yeah. with the remote play. Like, it'd be cheaper for you to buy. Um, now, the screen is larger. The screen, you know, that if you have a phone that size, that's a, probably a tablet or a smaller tablet. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, you can you can buy, like, the Backbone controller. And there are other controllers you can kind of hook up to your phone. And it would have that same functionality, those that experience exists, but it's not perfect. It's definitely like it's what you would expect from remote play when you when you boot it up. And I think that's where dedicated hardware, you know, is is where like you you might have a chance for it to be a flawless experience. And I think mm-hmm. that right there 
is the key to this. Like if it, if people say like, man, it, unless it's you have smooth like, and powerful and you can't tell the difference between playing on your handheld versus playing, you know, sitting on your couch, then that's a big win. I think exactly. it also does say that it does include a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. So you can do wired audio. So you don't have okay. to buy the new, uh, if you want wireless audio, like, like wireless headsets, then yeah, you have to buy the PlayStation branded stuff that they just announced. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that's good. That's a, that's a good thing. So again, like it'll be interesting to see reviews. This is launching later this year. We do not have regional pricing. It's really just the $200, uh, us, but Jocelyn, I'm assuming it'll be $300 Canadian. That's kind of probably, how yeah, this stuff goes Which, like, man. I mean, I obviously, I know that currency conversions are a thing, but I feel like at 200 of my dollars, I would absolutely consider this, but at 300 of my dollars, that's, that's too many. I think. Yeah. Even I'm, though I'm it's a realistic you. price, right? Like, yeah, I, it, I don't like if you own just a PlayStation five and you want to extend that ecosystem, that experience to other parts of your room without having to cart your play, PlayStation five to different TVs. Look, I bought a steam deck. Like, it, yeah, obviously we know there's a use case for this. Like you say, steam deck, all of the steam deck competitors that are now coming out, uh, switch like people buy them use them and love them so like there is definitely a use case for this um and i think if you are like you say in the playstation ecosystem especially if you're only in the playstation ecosystem then you know absolutely there's going to be people that are going to buy this and love this um i think it just kind of depends on yeah like you say how well it works how good is the connectivity um is there a world where eventually I can take it somewhere like over to my friend's house and have it connect to my PlayStation? And well, I guess if I was going to my friend's house, I probably want to see my friends and not play my PlayStation. But you know what I mean? Like if I'm going to, if I'm going somewhere away, then, you know, I want this to still work as long as I have an internet connection, which maybe it will, maybe it won't. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I think at this time, like I appreciate what they're trying to do here, but you know, I'm getting Wii U vibes, right? Like it has to be tethered <laughs> to a console. Yeah. And the Wii U, you know, tablet thing worked, but most of the time you just hooked up a pro controller and played it on the TV. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And like you said, it's launching uh, later this fall, right? So yeah, maybe we'll, uh, we'll see what the reviews are like once they come out and then maybe eyebrow raise question mark. Think about Christmas presents. <laughs> uh, and then, like we said, we did have uh, opening night of Gamescom. We had all the live announcements uh, this past week. So there was the, quite a lot of stuff um, kind of coming out at Gamescom, as it usually does. But again, most of the things coming in October. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> like Assassin's Creed Mirage. Super stoked. Alan Wake. Very excited. <sighs> Yeah, I'm never well, gonna get to play anything. Yeah, you'll you'll you will get to play them eventually, and uh, you might have to pick one October experience, maybe uh, video maybe game that's experience, it. <laughs> I should say. So, um, I don't know, like, uh, like I think the big one that both of us are looking forward to in um, October would be Alan Wake Two, right? And that's mm -hmm. like late October. It is, uh, yeah. I watched the newest trailer and honestly, I'm like, I think I'm good. Like, I don't need to see any more. It, it, re it really feels like they took control, ran with it 
and then applied like a like a, a really heavy you know psychological horror filter to it with with alan wake like it looks like it's gonna be it looks very resident evilly you know like I've been Scary. trying to mostly stay away from it just because I'm like, okay, I played Alan Wake recently, you know, within the past couple of years when they did the remaster. I just played Control within the last year. Loved them both. Loved the connected universe. I'm like, you don't need to sell me on this experience. So I'm going in basically blind, but very excited. Yeah. Yeah. The newest trailer looked really good and it, and it uh, showcased more of the the live action stuff, which was more uh, Alan Wake's sort of deal. Um, mm-hmm. So they showed a lot more of that. And uh, it wasn't a long trailer. It was only about a minute and a half. So like, It's only a minute show. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. A, a ton. But that game got delayed. It's coming out October 27th only because uh, Remedy was like, there's a lot of stuff coming out in October. So you play some other games, and then come find us just before Halloween. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, but you mentioned Assassin's Creed Mirage. Like, again, mm-hmm. it looks like a, an approachable, I might be able to finish it, Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> That's my hope. Yeah, like, it doesn't look like another Valhalla. Like, one of the characters, or the I guess the main character, is from Valhalla, or at least showed up in Valhalla. Um, but it's, like, they've said time and time again that they are trying to recreate, like, OG Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed 2. They're not trying to recreate their newer titles like Valhalla that are these big, long open world things. They want like small directed OG Assassin's Creed. And I am here for that. But again, I'll probably play it in like December. <laughs> yeah. That one I'm not really rushing out to, to play. Um, there was a couple of surprises. Uh, one was, and this is a game we played for extra life um, maybe four or five years ago, but they announced killing floor three Mm-hmm. We played the second one for Extra Life uh, a couple years. We played, um, yeah, we played it a couple times, and like it's one of those like horde, gross, explodey guts everywhere, stupid, fun, gory video games. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's no plot. There's just tons and tons and tons of en- enemies and exploding guts and blood everywhere. <laughs> yep, lots of monsters to fell, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, different weapons and stuff you can unlock. The trailer was very like we're working on it. Um, I think they re- announced there would be early access at some point next year. So not a lot of details, but it looks like uh, it looks very much like a upgraded Killing Floor two. And um, man, those graphics look like they're gonna be gross. So <laughs> got that going for you, I suppose. Um, and then I don't know. Did you play the Little Nightmares games? Was that one that you checked out? I played the first one and wasn't in love with it and right. didn't play the second one. Well, how do you feel about one of your favorite developers uh, making Little Nightmares 3? Uh, it's going to be made by Supermassive. Well, I mean, like, I know a lot of people really liked Little Nightmares, so I might try to pick it up again. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy the first one, so I kind of really fell off of the franchise, but... I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so I guess uh, I guess it was made by a different studio, and then Supermassive made the enhanced edition, this the sequel. So they've I guess they've had a hand in the development before, but the third one, the trailer, it definitely you know continues the same vibe of one and two, uh, but it's going to be a co op experience. Um, 
little little nightmares which is interesting yeah yeah the first one was definitely a solo experience and then i think Mm -hmm. the sequel had um like sort of escort quest style yeah like you had a little friend but it wasn't like it was an npc like it wasn't another person yeah yeah, this one, I, I don't know if they announced it would be co-op, but it, it, maybe it is the same deal as two and two and one where it's more of like I'm pretty a sure I did see an announcement saying that there was going to be co-op play. Yeah, it'll probably give you if I had to guess, I think it would give you the option, right? Like you would have either an like an AI and NPC kind of character or like your friend could jump in and play that character is what I would assume. Like, I don't think that they would ever like lock you into having to have a player two, but I could be wrong. No, I, I'm just looking at it now. So yeah, it is uh, the first game in the franchise. It's going to have uh, co-op play. And um, if you're playing solo, the uh, other character will be controlled by AI. And, uh, you know, the, the puzzles and, and such were, you know, pretty, uh, I don't want to say basic, but they were simple in nature in the sense that, you know, you wouldn't need like super complex AI to have fun uh, moving through the environment and such. So like, I'm not too worried about about that. Like sometimes when you have like a co-op experience that's designed to have you play with another person, when you play solo, you're missing some of that fun, not just mm-hmm. the fun of playing with another player, but like the fun of of the puzzle being enjoyable because it's you and an AI and you're waiting for the AI to kind of <laughs> match <laughs> match what you're doing. So I'm hoping that like that doesn't impact the design of it. But I, I think based on my playthroughs of the previous two, I think they're going to be able to balance that really well. But uh, yeah, I'm I did not realize we'd be getting a new one so soon. So that, I think that one's going to be coming in 2024 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of updates. Uh, Gamescom's kind of late in the news cycle. We don't usually get like new announcements until, you know, the game awards in December. So like I I didn't anticipate there being any new new stuff. But uh, what was announced was a. Uh, was pretty good. Like I didn't, I did not watch the two hour experience. I I just looked at the trailers. I can't, I can't do that anymore. It's too much. Um, it's two hours of of people, uh, just talking about trailers. And I I can't do it. Yeah. But, Can uh, we please take a minute though and talk about? Thank goodness you're here. Did you watch this trailer? No. What is that one? Okay. So, this <laughs> I was gonna ask you the same thing. Because, like, it just looks insane. So it's from the developers of Untitled Goose Game. I don't know if you ever played that one. I did, yeah. Uh, they also made Firewatch, which, uh, but <laughs> this <laughs> looks ridiculous. Like, you can't even really, like, oh, I don't, if you haven't watched the trailer, it's very short. It's a minute and 20 seconds. You really, really should. It is just, like, chaos. total complete chaos to the point that i'm like i don't even a hundred percent understand what is happening here but also i really want to play it (laughs) so i guess like it's kind of like an exploration type game maybe but like i don't understand like sometimes your main character seems really small and everyone around him is about the same size but then sometimes there's like super big characters at one point he's like running along and then runs into a butt like it's just it's like i don't even know how to describe this but also i really want to play it somehow (laughs) it's like comedic it's colorful it's crazy i'm just like i don't even know what this is but also kind of like it it looks quirky and hilarious (laughs) 
It's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. I was just going to say, like, nonsense sounds like the best way to describe this. I'm watching the trailer and it's... uh, Okay. It's just... It just escalates. Like, what is is happening? (laughs) It kind of... It yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I love uh, I love what Panic does with their game publishing. They pick they pick some really interesting titles that kind of match the the feel of the uh, the feel of the company. And um, I always thought it was cool that you know the manufacturers of of uh, one of my favorite FTP clients also publishes these weird and wacky games. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's coming. Yeah. It's coming next year, but. It's going to be in all the places, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, and uh, PC. So I think I'm going to play it. Like, it looks just crazy and and fun. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah. (laughs) It just, it's just like, (laughs) I'm asking why, but also saying thank you. (laughs) It's giving me all kinds of weird feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Watch the trailer, folks at home, if if you kind of skipped over it. Watch the trailer and just be in amazement of how a minute and a half goes by and you are constantly asking you like, now what is going on now? Now yeah. what is going on? So it just keeps escalating. It's weird. Yeah, it really does. Uh, but yeah, it looks really fun. So uh, go and check it out. Uh, I think that's going to be it for us this week. Again, if you want to join in on any of the conversations, let us know what you're excited about from Gamescom uh, or join in the Psychonauts 2 Game Club. Head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. Follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.